Welcome back to Half the Battle. I'm your host as always, Daniel Levy, your co-host Shaq. We're going to be talking UFC Denver, the Korean Zombie versus Yair Rodriguez. And Shaq, it's going down this Saturday. These guys are coming off over a year layoff each, but they're two of the most exciting fighters in the sport today. And uh, now they're going to throw down in a main event classic. Yeah, you know, uh, it's it's finally good to see Yair come out of hiding, you know. Uh, we haven't seen him in a while, but... Uh, He's back and uh, he's here to fight, and you know he's got an exciting fight fighting style, and we already know about that resume that the zombie has. Anytime that guy fights, someone's going to sleep, or it's going to be a, a back and forth war. So I'm super excited about this fight. Yeah, man, I can't yeah. wait. I mean, obviously with the Korean zombie, I've gone on record many times and said his first fight against Leonard Garcia, WEC 48. Whenever I hang out with someone that's never watched MMA before, that's always the first fight I show them. I don't think there's a more exciting fight in the history of the sport than that. And obviously, Yair Rodriguez, you know, the kid was 21, 22 years old coming on the scene, you know, throwing flying head kicks, knocking fools out. And uh, now he's making his return. His only setback in the octagon is to the great Frankie Edgar. And for and for Chan Sung Jung, his only setback in the octagon is to the great Jose Aldo. So they've only lost to the best of the best. Now they're going to meet in this main event. And, man, it's a great card top to bottom. And there's going to be a lot of factors, a lot of things to talk about. Obviously, the altitude in Denver. It's going to be interesting to see how that affects everyone, Shaq. Yeah, you know, it's interesting to see how uh, everyone approached the, uh, the elevation in Denver. You know, I don't think it's quite like Mexico or other places, but it is a big factor. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, Shaq, let's get right down to business. Let's do this whole card start to finish because first up, in the almost extinct flyweight division, we got Mark De La Rosa. He's minus 255, and the comeback on Joby Sanchez is plus 215. Now, Shaq, I was going to say Joby Sanchez's back is up against the wall, but honestly, both their backs are up against the wall because, you know, they just cut the flyweight division. The winner doesn't just need a win here. He needs to make a statement. Are you going with the favorite De La Rosa, or do you think Joby Sanchez can get this one done? Yeah, you know, De La Rosa, he had a, a tough debut fight against Elliott, you know, uh, cut a lot of weight to make that fight happen. And, you know, things didn't go his way. He got dominated. But I like how he bounced back. You know, it showed uh, showed what type of guy he is. He bounced back in a spot against uh, Ilya Elias Garcia. And, I mean, he put it on Elias Garcia, you know. He uh, stayed moved forward he stayed patient and you know his counter shots you know he, he turned up in there man he was throwing uh four and five punch combinations and he's an aggressive kid and, and he's a black belt in jiu-jitsu and joby sanchez you know i feel like joby sanchez is super experienced you know for for his age you know he has seen a lot in the sport but uh at the same time you know his game really doesn't possess any threatening tools man you know i feel like he's just a guy that uh that uh, you know, his two his wins on the contender series were against two young, inexperienced, just unprofessional fighters. Man, JP buys the kid. You know, he was flailing all over the place, and he's just not in control. And Manny Vasquez had opportunities as well, but you know, those guys were just not poised enough, man. And one thing about Joby is that chin's very questionable. We've seen him get dropped by. In a lot of his UFC fights, even dating back to the Tateki fight or uh, the Gian Herrera fight, uh, and even in his contender series fights, he got dropped. So, you know, uh, I feel like he's just a guy that, you know, could capitalize against these young kids that, uh, you know, I feel like he's just a guy that's going to be able to <sighs> scrape out decisions against uh, low-level guys. So, you know, to be honest, I'm really not sure if Joby's going to last here again, man. So I'm going to take De La Rosa by by a late finish i just think he's going to be too rough and tough for joby and uh i feel like joby's not going to have anywhere to run so i think de la rosa is just going to cut off the cage take him down take him down here and there get the better of the boxing exchanges and get his uh second ufc win yeah we definitely learned a lot about de la rosa in his last appearance again against elias garcia because obviously you watch that debut against tim elliott you know he's coming in there with love handles and uh look it was a great scrambly back and forth fight until he got caught with a submission. But when he came back, man, you saw the shape he was in against Elias Garcia. You saw the kind of things he was pulling off in there. And obviously the the submission defense, the way he was, uh, you see he was swinging that dude around when he had that uh, that triangle choke and he basically threw him like it was nothing. So my boy Mark De La Rosa, he's, got, he's, he's a serious black belt. And look, Joby Sanchez, he's a blue belt. And uh, any blue belts listening to this show, you know what happens when you roll with that black belt. You get choked out. 
So I, I really think that a guy like Joby Sanchez, not it's not because it's a blue belt versus a black belt, because we've seen blue belts tap out black belts before. Remember when uh, Kevin Burns tapped out my boy Honjuka? That was a blue belt versus a black belt. But the reason I bring that up is because Joby Sanchez gives up his back every single fight. And I'm not just talking about his first UFC stint, Shaq. What about on Contender Series versus that jobber JP Baez? What about on Contender Series versus Manny Vasquez? And then, you know, those guys couldn't last. They, they weren't ready, like you said. So he won the decisions. He makes his UFC return against Roberto Sanchez, who's actually a black belt. He gave up his back like he always does, and he got choked out, uh, you know, two seconds later. So that's what happens when he steps up, and he's stepping up here against Mark De La Rosa. I think he's going to get his back taken. I think he's going to get choked out. As far as the stand-up's concerned, you know, Joby tries to do the, the poor man's version of Dominic Cruz. He likes to bounce around. He likes to point, but his chin is soft, man. I mean, obviously the Gene Herrera knockout, it's funny, Gene Herrera looked like shit every single UFC fight, except when he fought Joby Sanchez. Manny Vasquez dropped him, JP Baez was teeing off on him. Don't be surprised when Mark De La Rosa's power is too much for Joby Sanchez on the feet, and obviously on the ground, it's a mismatch. I got Mark De La Rosa via rear naked choke submission. Also in the flyweight division, we got Eric Shelton, he's minus 115, and Joseph Morales is minus 105, uh... You think Showtime Shelton is finally going to get another UFC winner? You think it's going to be one and four, man? Yeah, you know, I feel like uh, with Shelton, he was always a guy that uh, people put a tab on for whatever reason, you know, as a guy that was going to be a future contender. But, you know, I feel like that ship is uh, definitely sailed at this point. You know, he's fought some tough guys. I mean, you know, Pantoja, uh, Alex Perez. So, I mean, he's had, uh, and Jared Brooks, so he's had some tough luck. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Those are the fights he was in, and those were the fights that he uh, had to win, and he didn't do that. You know, his only wins over a complete can in Janelle Lauza. You know, Shelton's one of those guys where there's always there's always either some excuse from uh, from the fan side or, you know, you know, I feel like he's got all the athletic tools. It's just... You know, you can't make an excuse for every for every little thing, man. But uh, as far as com in comparison to Joseph Morales, you know, Morales seems like uh, he's a jiu-jitsu black belt, but he seems he seems uh, definitely lacking in the athleticism department in comparison to Shelton and in the power department, the speed department. He just seems like he's a tough, young, scrappy kid that, uh, you know, is coming off a life-changing beating to uh, my boy Dice Dugeha. So... You know, I feel like this is going to be a very close fight. You know, I feel like Shelton, you know, he is training at ATT now, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see the. We'll see if he improves a lot. But he just strikes me as the type of guy that no matter who he's in there with, you know, if 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 he's on the winning side, it's going to be a close fight. It's going to be a split decision type of fight. You know, I don't feel like this guy can uh, execute at the at the point to really pull away in a spot like this. So. Uh, I'm going to take Eric Shelton by close decision, but, uh, you know, I feel like this fight could go either way. Yeah, I think the reason <laughs> Eric Shelton got that reputation and, you know, people were talking all about his potential is because on the Ultimate Fighter, you know, he was one of the last picked guys, and then he went out there and he upset, I believe, the number two or number three ranked seed, uh, Yoni Sherbatov. So after that, everyone was automatically like, oh, this kid Eric Shelton, this and that. I think he had a close fight with Tim Elliott. But look, it just... I mean, I want to say it hasn't translated in the UFC, but all his losses have been close. It's just that eventually there comes a time. Look, my boy Jordan Rinaldi, he uh, he got past that hump last week. You know, he had to dig deep. I know it was an easy one-way traffic fight, but look, some sometimes guys fuck it up in that third round. Jordan Rinaldi didn't. So it comes down to Eric Shelton staying focused, staying poised, and executing a game plan out there. And when Joseph Morales trains at Alpha Male, I mean, look, his only loss is to the number one contender. Davison Figueredo, I guess he's not the number one contender anymore because he's moving up to bantamweight, but, you know, former number one contender, even though he never, he never fought for a title, right, Shaq? But, you know, I, I think losing to a guy like that, there's no shame in that. He even extended the fight to the third round. He lasted longer than my boy John Moraga did. So he's been training with uh, Alpha Male. You know, I think Eric Shelton's actually better everywhere. It's just I can't trust Eric Shelton uh, to go out there and win a fight. So for that reason, I'm actually going to pick uh, Joseph Morales here. Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got Devontae Smith. He's minus 230. The comeback on Julian Erosa is plus 190. Are you going with the power puncher Smith or are you going with the point fighter Erosa? 
Yeah, Devontae Smith seems like a real strong, athletic, improving fighter. Um, you know, I know he does have that one, you know, embarrassing loss on his record. I mean, uh, yeah, he's de- definitely got that loss to John Gunther on the local scene. You know, uh, John Gunther gutted it out, man. Props to him. But, uh, you know, Smith, you know, he's just super athletic and he's very green, man. He's still in the early stages of his career. You know, he's training at Factory X, so, you know, his game's going to be improving at a rapid rate. Um, As far as uh, Arosa, you know, props to Arosa, man. You know, he had a rough go in his first day in the UFC, but he put his head down. And he uh, earned his way back, man. And, you know, Arosa's a solid fighter. The only thing with Arosa is that chin, man. You never know when uh, that thing's going to get shut off. But, I mean, as a fighter, man, the guy knows how to point well. He knows how to mix it up. He's very experienced. He's got 27 fights. So, you know, I feel like this fight uh, could be lined a little bit closer. You know, you got the big, strong, athletic kid versus the smarter, more witty, you know, more experienced guy. So uh, it's going to be a tough fight. I'm going to say uh, Devontae Smith lands the harder shots throughout the three rounds. But I think it's going to be a great fight. I think both guys are going to get clipped hard. And I feel like both guys, uh, I feel like trouble will present itself for both guys. You know, it's a good, it's going to be a good chess match. But I think uh, Smith will land the harder shots for three rounds. You know, what I'll say about oh, Smith awesome. is that he's a knockout artist. Uh, but I say knockout artist, and you know, I'm not talking like Razak Al-Hassan or Anthony Rumble Johnson or anything like that. What I'm saying is that it's basically K or bust with, with Devontae Smith, man, and it most likely has to be in the first round as well. That fight with Gunther, you know, people write it off, oh, first L, this and that. You know, I, I don't think that was really just because it was first L. I mean, he had 10 seconds of success where he rocked John Gunther, and after that, the biggest hole in his game got exposed. The guy has zero ground game whatsoever, you know? And people are like, oh, he's 23, give him a break. Look, I know 17-year-olds that know how to hip escape better than Devontae Smith. Uh, if this guy gets put on his back, he's a fish out of water. He's not going to get back up. So what Julian Arosa needs to do is, man, if Julian Arosa just had a chin, right, Shaq? You know, if Julian Arosa can get past this first round, this fight's going to get super interesting. And he knows he can't go in there and slug with a guy like Devontae Smith early because... You know, those four-ounce gloves, Devontae Smith hits hard. He's an athletic, young guy. He's powerful. But if you can extend the fight with this guy, if you can get him to start breathing, if you can get him to fight off these takedowns, chances are he ain't going to win the fight. So it's up to Julian to not come out here and get knocked out in that first round. But I think Julian's going to be on his bike. I think he's learned his lesson. I mean, the guy's had 27 pro fights. And I think if he gets past this first round, he's either going to come back and win the next two or potentially get this fight to the mat and choke this guy out. Man, one thing you need in the UFC is a ground game, like I've said many times. So I'm going to go with Julian Arosa via third-round submission. Now, next up in the UFC lightweight division... We got the mismatch of the century. We got Davi Hamosh. He's minus 1,000. The comeback on John Gunther is plus 650. Shaq, is it going to be a, a submission or is it going to be a knockout, man? Yeah, you know, I'll just keep this one short and simple. You know, I, I just don't see John Gunther winning the fight or lasting 15 minutes. You know, I think he's a nice kid, but, you know, there there's levels to this and he shouldn't be in this fight. So I think Davi's going to come out here and absolutely demolish him eat him alive slaughter him so i i got davi ramos by devastating finish yeah look respect to john gunther because you know he's a super tough guy so what tough means here is that he's not going to tap out instead he's going to go to sleep when the submission's on so i got all the respect in the world for a guy like john gunther you know we like to talk shit the punch drunk alpaca guy this and that but one thing i cannot take away from a guy like john gunther he's tough as nails man the guy has got heart four days but unfortunately for him his style is not going to translate in the UFC especially against a guy like Davi Hamosh he leaves way too many openings in every single department I mean look the line speaks for itself I don't got to go on here forever but he's either going to leave his neck out when he tries to take down Davi Hamosh or he's going to leave his chin in the air and uh, get caught with a head kick get caught with a left hook I personally think it's gonna he's gonna jump on a guillotine I don't think it's gonna be a standing guillotine like Gennetti you know that's a thing that a tall man does uh Davi Hamosh is a short guy he's gonna jump guillotine you know pull that guard and uh, choke this guy out, man. And obviously, he doesn't have to do it like that. People think he's just a jujitsu guy. The guy's got great wrestling, too. And he sets up his entries beautifully. You saw, bro, first of all, the takedown entry he hit on Nick Hines was great. But what about that submission? I mean, he faked him out with a Kimura. And then Nick Hines like, okay, I got to bail. And then he takes his back. 
I was like, we don't see jujitsu like that often. The takedown he hit on uh, on Chris Gritzmacher before he tapped him out. It's just, uh, it's truly something to behold. It's a, it's a beautiful thing to watch. And uh, I can't wait to see Davi Hamosh come out here and put on an absolute clinic and uh, a first-round finish. Now, next up in the featherweight division, we got Bobby Muffet. He's minus 115. And Chaz the Scrapper Skelly is minus 105. Shaq, they're both grapplers. I, I have a feeling that... Either someone's going to get choked out or it's going to be a three-round scramble fest. Uh, who you got? Yeah, you know, uh, Chaz definitely has the edge and the experience factor. This Moffitt guy uh, trains at the lab. You know, it seems like a tough, you know, a typical lab fighter. He's solid everywhere, good cardio, big, strong. You know, Chaz is definitely more experienced. Uh, Chaz is definitely tricky on the mat, and he's very explosive on the feet early, you know, when he's fresh as well. Um, if I had to say there was any, you know, he kind of tends to slow down as the as the fight progresses. But, uh, you know, this uh, Moffat guy really hasn't seen seen uh, the guy he fought in Contender Series. I mean, no offense to that guy, but that guy is kind of a snowflake. But, uh, you know, I definitely have my concerns on both sides about this fight. But uh, I'll take Chaz, Chaz Skelly by a close decision. Yeah, it's going to be a good fight just for the sole fact that they're both grapplers. And not only that, Bobby Muffett's the kind of guy that he's going to initiate the takedown right away. That has all the ingredients for either a submission of the night or fight of the night because when you when you scramble with a guy like Chas Kelly, it's going to get super exciting. But what I think is going to happen is that, look, this kid Bobby Muffett, he's got a bright future, trains out of a great camp, but he's going to leave his neck out there, and I think he's going to get Darce choked. So I'm going to go with Chas Kelly. And I believe if he submits uh, his opponent this weekend that – he will break the record for most submissions in UFC featherweight history. So I think Chaz, the, the scrapper Skelly, gets the submission win here. Women's division. We got Ashley Yoder. She's minus 155. The comeback on Amanda Cooper is plus 135. Now, I know Amanda Cooper gets choked out every other fight. But Ashley Yoder's 0-3 in the UFC, and she's a minus 155 favorite. So which way are you going? Yeah, this is a good fight. Uh Ashley Yoder, you know, like you said, hasn't won a fight, but I mean, you know, she looked pretty, pretty good her last fight against uh, Mackenzie Dern and uh, Amanda Cooper. She's finally making her return from that uh, disastrous weekend in Brazil uh, when, you know, Mackenzie missed weight by eight and a half pounds. And I mean, you know, props to her for fighting anyways. You know, she's a she's a tough girl. Um, I feel like this fight's pretty much even, you know, across the board in terms of just performance levels. But, uh, you know, what I think the difference is here, you know, I'm not saying Amanda Cooper has the best fight IQ, but I feel like Ashley Yoder's fight IQ is is just horrid, man. You know, and her fight against uh, Justin Keish, the fight's, you know, one-to-one. It's very close. And uh, she pulls guard in the third round, you know, in a fight that she could have won, you know. And then her second fight against uh, against Angela Hill, like, you know, you get these takedowns and then, you know, she's hopping right around to the back, not setting anything up. And then she'll fall to her back and, you know, lose the rounds. And then her, her last fight, I mean, to be honest, I really didn't even think it deserved to be a split decision. But, you know, hey, you know, it, it is what it is. But, you know, I just feel like she makes poor choices in there. Cooper... I just feel like Cooper's more of like a, uh, I guess we'd call her a boxer, but, uh, you know, it's kind of more like panic boxing, but like, you know, I just feel like Cooper is going to slightly want it more in there. You know, I feel like it's going to be fairly even. I feel like that, you know, Yoder is probably a little better at jujitsu, but I feel like she goes for these low percentage arm bars that aren't going to work. And, uh, you know, I feel like she might threaten her here and there, but, uh, I just feel like Amanda Cooper's going to slightly edge this one out on points you know i feel like it's probably going to be back and forth one of those typical close straw weight female fights but uh i see amanda cooper squeaking out a split decision just because she made the smarter decisions and she uh and yoder went for all these low percentage subs so uh, i'll take amanda cooper dude it's actually one of the toughest fights for me to call on the entire card because obviously with amanda cooper it seems like most of the times when she hits the mat she gets tapped out uh fairly quickly after but then again you look at the level of competition she's been fighting you know Mackenzie dern tatiana suarez cynthia calvillo all these chicks are ground specialists so it makes sense to an extent and you could also a little bit call ashley Yoder a ground specialist just because that's what she gravitates towards but it doesn't seem like she has that killer instinct. 
And uh, I actually don't think that she's going to be able to finish this fight. So, man, I actually agree with you. I'm going to go with Amanda Cooper via split decision. Now, next up in the lightweight division, we got Luis Violent Bob Ross Pena. He's minus 170, and Mike Trezano is plus 150. Now, Shaq, huge line movement came in on Mike Trezano. Which way are you going? Yeah, it's going to be a good fight. You know, Trezano has more of, you know, the the Tiger Showman point style. Likes to just, you know, win the exchanges, circle off, stay safe. And, you know, there's no problem with that as well. Well, in comparison, Luis is just in your face, high volume, high pressure. He definitely gets clipped on the return shot, you know, here and there. But, but uh, his pace, his, uh, his just his savagery, man, he... Uh, he likes to turn it up, you know. I feel like he's definitely more of a, a violence threat, and you know, Trezano's more of, you know, a guy long term that's gonna win a lot of decisions. You know, uh, you know, I feel like the line right now is probably, you know, where it should be. I feel like the minus two se- uh, two seventy that Pena was at earlier in the earlier in the week was probably a little bit too high considering both guys are still young in their careers. But I just think uh, Luis Pena doesn't give a fuck, man. I just think he's gonna walk him down. I feel like he's going to eat some shots here and there. But I feel like he's got the wrestling edge in this fight. I feel like he's got the tenacity, you know, edge in this fight. I feel like he's just going to walk him down, touch Trezano up, really put pressure on Trezano, make Trezano, you know, come out of that uh, that safe mode that he likes to fight in. I mean, this guy, you know, did get taken down by Gunther. He did, uh, I mean, he did let Gunther survive all three rounds. So, you know, I think uh, Luis Pena is going to win this by, you know, 30-27 on two cards and a 29-28. But I wouldn't be shocked if he finished him either. Yeah, I think these were the two best guys on that season of The Ultimate Fighter. And they both got very different styles. You know, they're both kind of tall for the weight class. Luis Pena, 6'3", Mike Trezano, 5'11". Mike Trezano, he's really got that point-fighting style. You know, he does train at Tiger Shulman. Obviously, he's Shane Burgos' main sparring partner, but... Unlike Shane Burgos, Mike Trezano doesn't really have that power in his hands, man. And, but he's super content to go out there and win the decision. You saw that fight with Gunther, and you know he didn't take any unnecessary risks. He just uh, picked the guy apart for three rounds. I think he might have given up one of the rounds to him via takedowns, which is kind of embarrassing. But the guy is good at winning decisions. With Luis Pena, it's interesting because he was actually a state champion wrestler in high school but then you see his ufc debut and he was getting taken down twice in a row by by a can i know those leg lock guys have the that early explosion but i didn't like how he was getting taken down like that but at least he you know he reversed the position ended up finishing the fight he is training with habib Nurmagomedov and islam makhachev so surely that that part of his game is improving but man he's got a nice little range game going he'll definitely throw the volume on you you start to slow down on a guy like luis Pena, he will tee off on you and Trezano is content to do the points battle all day. I think that Trezano is going to land a couple takedowns in this fight. I think he's going to land a couple shots. But I think the more meaningful shots will be landed by Luis Pena. And I'm going to go with Pena via three-round decision here. Now, next up in the women's division, we got the newcomer, Macy Barber. She's minus 425. The comeback on Hannah Cyphers is plus 340. Shaq, I don't know if you heard that interview with Hannah Cyphers, but... Uh, it was bad to the point where they disabled the comments in it because uh, this girl literally looks like uh, she's scared for her life. Yeah, you know, I think uh, Macy Barber, the the uh, hype train will continue, man. You know, uh, I, I'm not going to sit here and say she's a future this or a future that. But, you know, I feel like, you know, for her age, man, she's got some skills, man. She can definitely kick. And, uh, I mean, I definitely expect to see a much better version off of the Jamie Colleen fight, man. I think she's very aggressive, you know, focused. And she just lands a high volume of kicks, man. And, you know, she can kick. So I think she's going to come out here, do her thing, you know, touch this girl up with the kicks and just beat her everywhere, wrestling, clinch. And uh, she'll stay undefeated and she can act like she's going to be the uh, youngest champion still. (laughs) <laughs> it's so funny because when I saw that episode of Dana White Tuesday Night Contender, she's talking about being the youngest champion. And this, I was like, wow, like, like you know, it, I thought she was like the catch me outside girl for a second. But, you know, then she went out there. She uh, beat up Jamie Colleen. Jamie Colleen's a girl that knocked out Daniel Taylor out cold. So much respect to Macy Barber for getting that win. I think that they called Hannah Cyphers for a reason, man. I think that they want to get their big prospect to win here. 
And uh, Hannah Seifert just come in and take this L real quick. I think it's probably going to be a second or third round stoppage for Macy Barber, if not a very dominant decision. Now next up in the lightweight division, this is a very intriguing matchup, Shaq. Almost a crossroads fight. We got Benil Benny Dariush. He's minus 150. The comeback on Tiago Moises is plus 130. Now Shaq, a year ago would have been minus 350. Benil, he has fallen on hard times. You think he gets back in the win column here over the newcomer? Man, it's a good fight. You know, Tiago's been hyped up for a while, man. Uh, and the funny thing is, he's still only 23 years old. So, I mean, this guy's been fighting for a while. You know, he, we've definitely heard his name out there on the LFA scene for a couple of years now. And, uh, you know, he kind of let everyone down in that fight against Rob Watley for the title. And, you know, he got 50-45 bad, you know. Uh, but the thing is, I guess, you know, someone has an excuse. He's young, man. He's a young fighter, and young fighters, you know, do young fighter things. And he, uh, but it seems like he's definitely bounced back, man. Uh, he uh, finished Jeff Peterson. He he, in uh, his last fight on Brazil Contender Series, I mean, that was definitely the best I've seen him. He's definitely developed some power in his hands, and I mean, it just seems like he's a little more, you know, sure of himself. You know, I felt like, you know, in the past, he probably just doubted himself a little bit, thought in there a little bit too much. And uh, seems like, at least, you know, his last fight, seems like he's a little bit more confident, a little more aggressive, and he's definitely got that power. Um, Benil, Benil's definitely got power as well. I mean, we, we've seen what he's, uh, what he's done in the cage. I mean, he's beaten some of the best of the best. But, you know, when you, when, when you got the, re the names on his resume, I mean, you take damage from the names on that resume as well. So, you know, I definitely feel like uh, I know Benil's not even 30 yet, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, I do feel like Father Time is 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 kind of catching up to him, and I'm not saying that his career is done or over. I just feel like you know we're never gonna see that old uh, Benil Dariush ever again. You know, it is what it is. You know, I just feel like he's he's kind of put a stamp on that at this point. You know, uh, the Edson fight was a great fight, but you know that was a devastating KO. You know, stiff flatline. Uh, then he comes back against Dunham, you know, which was, you know, on paper going into the fight supposed to be, uh, you know, a, a get back on track fight. But when he had Dunham hurt, man, I felt like he was doing way too much. I felt like he looked real sloppy. His defense was poor. Second to the, the second and third rounds went to Dunham. And I mean, uh, I just felt like he looked real sloppy and slow, man. And then uh, his fight with Hernandez, you know, that was a, a case of, you know, uh, you know, uh, that kid's just, uh, Hernandez, perfect timing for him, you know, so it's, uh, it's the fight game, man. Things change and things, uh, change real fast. As far as the fight goes, I really can't say, man, because, you know, I do feel like Benil Darius is, you know, slowly, slowly, you know, uh, declining and, you know, I feel, I do feel like, uh, like I said, I feel like that guy's the old Benil Darius is never going to show up again, but, uh, this uh, Moises guy, he kind of seems, you know, if I had to say about his losses, it kind of seems like he's a front runner. It seems like when he's, you know, in the lead, he's styling on guys, he's hitting real hard. But it seems like when he has to come back, seems like he just kind of shuts down. So it's going to be really tough to say. But uh, one thing I know about Benil Dariush is if he does get off to a good lead, he tends to he tends to slow down. He tends to slow down dramatically as well. So Moises might be able to do a little better job coming back. So who knows, man? Uh, as far as a pick, I feel like Benil Darius is probably the better fighter everywhere. It's just like, I don't know if he's going to perform like the better fighter everywhere, man. So for that case, I'll take a Tiago Moises by upset. I'll say finish actually. Man. It just sucks that we can't get the old Benny back. I mean, this is a guy that 30-27 Rashid Magomedov in Mexico City elevation. This is a guy that knocked out James Vick. 30-27 Carlos Diego Ferreira. Tapped out Tony Martin. Beat Jim Miller. I mean, he beat Michael Johnson. I mean, the guy, he's got an unbelievable resume. Love watching him fight. Very dangerous southpaw. Huge left kick. World Championship Jiu-Jitsu. Interesting because Tiago Moises also is a world champion black belt as well, I believe. So this fight hits the mat. Expect some serious scrambles. You know, coming up on the regional scene, I was never impressed with Tiago Moises, man. You know, you remember that fight with Jason Knight. You remember that fight with Rob Wiley. But I got to tell you what, 
just like you said, he is only 23 years old. Maybe that's why. Maybe he got rushed too fast. But then that Brazilian contender series fight, he stopped the guy in the first round and looked the best he's ever looked. And I've been hearing, you know, from people at ATT, they've been super high on this kid for a while. They're calling him a future world champion. I'd, I'd personally relax, but I'll definitely have my eyes open. I want to see if that's the case. I wish I knew what I was getting with Benil, you know? I wish I could trust Benil in this spot because he's the better fighter everywhere and he's more experienced. He's got everything except the chin and the durability. So, man, it, it sucks, you know? But I think his chin and his durability can hold up in this fight if he fights smart. I don't think that Tiago Moises is anywhere near as fast as a guy like Alex Hernandez. I think that Alex Hernandez, you know, he's a lightweight that tries to do TJ Dillashaw's uh, footwork and... uh you know, Tiago Moises doesn't do that at all. The Edson Barbosa fight, you know, this is the fight that really changed Benil's career. First round and a half, he's fucking looking the best he's ever looked. He's out striking Edson Barbosa. One mistake, and uh, that mistake didn't just cost him that fight, Shaq. That mistake might have cost him his career because his next two fights, it was not the same guy at all. And they were also brutal results. The war with Dunham, the Alex Hernandez KO. I really genuinely hope he can bounce back. I think he's got a stylistic matchup where a year ago, he definitely could have beat this kid. Hopefully, he can still beat him now. I'm going to go Benil Dariush here via decision. Now, next up in the women's bantamweight division, we got Jermaine Durandamy. She's minus 175, and the comeback on Raquel Pennington is plus 155. Shaq, a lot of people have a lot of questions about where both of these fighters are at. What's your opinion on that? Yeah, um, you know, I feel like Durandamy is a, uh, a world champion level type fighter. You know, I feel like... The, the step up in competition that she experienced going from, you know, Larissa Pacheco, not in the UFC, and Anna Elmos uh, to Holly Holm is one of the biggest uh, step ups in competition. And she passed that test with flying colors, you know, whether she punched after the bell or not, the first three rounds were Duran and me clear as day. So, you know, honestly, you could have said four, four to one, but, you know, if you want to put emphasis on punching after the bell and, you know, all, all that shit, you know, you could. that's definitely one way to look at it. But, you know, there's definitely another way to look at it. And the way I look at it is uh, Holly Holm got all her takedown stuff. She was getting, you know, uh, butchered on the feet. I mean, not necessarily butchered, but just Durandamy would throw that slide back right hand and absolutely crack her every time hurt her every time she touched her and just landed the harder shots for three of the rounds and uh you know Raquel on the other hand very tough girl you know uh on her streak you know a couple years back you know seemed like she had a lot of momentum and then uh you know she ran into some injuries she had three major surgeries uh she had a snowmobile accident you know she had to get her leg fixed, you know, uh, and then she came back off that injury to fight Amanda Nunes, man. So, you know, uh, injury or not, just speaking of Raquel, the fighter, I feel like she's a tough, you know, chick that can take a lot of damage. Uh, but the thing is, there's a difference in taking damage from, uh, from Liz Phillips. You know, there's a difference in taking damage against, uh, Betch Correa and Misha Tate. And, uh, who else has she fought? Uh, you know, I just uh, I feel like Jermaine Durandamy is is a completely different level of a fighter. You know, uh, I just feel like yeah, yeah, she's uh, a little bit untested on the map, but I feel like there's a big discrepancy in the stand up department, man. Uh, I think there's also a chance that Rocky gets knocked out, man. I just think uh, Jermaine, in terms of you know female strikers, I mean, I feel like she's she's one one or number two man so you know i won't forget that this girl won a ufc belt uh i just think she's a different level of of a fighter than raquel pennington i think raquel's tough i think uh she prides herself on that toughness but i don't think that's the i'm not gonna say that's not the same person but you know i do question i do question where she's really at at this point in her career you know i feel like she had such she had a great run to get to that title shot and uh Seems like things, you know, uh, haven't, you know, I question if she's really confident off those injuries, man. Uh, I think Jermaine, with all this time off, I feel like we're going to see a much better version. I know she's training down there in Holland. I think she's going to uh, stuff the takedowns, keep it on the feet, and, you know, land the harder shots throughout the three rounds. So I got Jermaine. Yeah, obviously on the feet. 
it's a total mismatch. Raquel's too slow for Jermaine Duran. I mean, the question is what happens if Raquel does try to go with a grappling attack here. But interestingly enough, you go back and you watch Raquel's fights, and that's not really who she is, Shaq. She's, she's a striker, man. She likes to go out there and box. She likes to test her stand-up against everyone she fights. And obviously she took down Amanda Nunes, but it wasn't until the second round that she initiated the takedown, and she had to take a serious beatdown before that happened. And look, it was a upper body takedown, and it was a very strong takedown, but then she got right back up to her feet immediately after. So it's not like she tried to work when she got her to the mat. And I've noticed that a lot of her shots are very slow. And, you know, for Jermaine Durand, I mean, you go back and you watch her career starting with Strike Force. She used to be the chick that had no takedown defense. She was just a striker, and you take her down. She's a fish <laughs> out of water off her back. But then you watch the evolution, and it seems like she's getting better every single fight. You know, from the girl that fought in Strike Force that got taken down with every takedown attempt to the woman that fought in a UFC world title fight versus Holly Holm and stuffed eight out of eight takedowns deep into the fifth round when they're both gassed out. You know, that shows me day and night improvement, Shaq. That shows me awareness. That shows me a UFC championship caliber fighter. And, you know, people can cry about the punches after the bell. I mean, this shit's about winning and losing, man. If you're betting on fights and, you know, picking winners and this and that, who gives a fuck, man? Cheat to win, right? So you know that if you pick her, she's going to cheat to win. You just got to hope she doesn't get DQ'd, right? So I think she will stuff the takedowns of Raquel. Maybe... Maybe she can get off on such a lead to where if Raquel does get a takedown in that third round, it won't really cost Jermaine that many points. So I either see a late TKO or a unanimous decision for Jermaine Durandamy. Co-main event of the evening. Platinum Mike Perry's minus 200. The comeback on Donald Cowboy Cerrone is plus 170. Now, Shaq, it's interesting because historically speaking, whenever Donald Cowboy Cerrone fights a non-top five guy, he goes out there and he styles on them. He's fighting a non-top five guy here, but he's also lost four of his last five. Is this still the same Donald Cerrone that, if you're not a top five guy, he's about to beat your ass? You know, it's a it's a intriguing dilemma. You know, I feel like Perry, man, I feel like he is a walking punching bag. <laughs> uh, you know, I feel like uh, I feel like he's got a couple good things going for him. You know, his mindset. I feel like uh, you know his pressure. And uh, his power, of course, you know, he's got a lot of knockouts on his record, but uh, defensively and just I feel like he's very predictable. He walks in the same way every single time. But, uh, you know, it's slight improvement here and there. But then again, at times it's real sloppy, man. But he gets away with a lot of it, man. He, his chin holds up. He's got a good chin. And, you know, people, you know, say he's got bad cardio. I kind of disagree. I kind of think he's got good cardio. But uh, just the way he approaches it, man, I, I definitely don't see that style lasting forever. Um, and, I, you know, he's he's slowly, slow, I mean, that's slowly uh, showing to be true, man. You know, the Max Griffin fight, he looked real slow and ugly in that fight. But, uh, you know, I actually think he's got good, decent wrestling. I think he's got decent jujitsu. I feel like he's decent everywhere, you know. His strength is definitely that power. And uh, Cerrone, we, we know what Cerrone's got, man. He, uh... Typically, he tends to not do well in these uh, these personal type of fights. Uh, even his last fight, you know, him and Leon were talking shit, and he lost that one as well. So, you know, he's him and uh, Winkle John are beefing. Turns out Winkle John's a, a money-crazed uh, lunatic these days. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, it's going to be a good fight, man. I feel like Cerrone technically is better everywhere. Um, it's just, is he going to fight like that when they get in there? Or is he going to shy away? I'm actually take Cerrone in this one. I actually think he is going to be a little, uh, fired, fired up for this one. You know, I feel like Mike Perry's got a lot of holes in his game defensively. You know, he tends to get away with it a lot just cause he's so, he's so tough, but in a three rounder, I, I, I could definitely see Cerrone, you know, uh, landing the more effective shots in, in two of the rounds. You know, I feel like Perry can definitely, uh, you know, wobble him here and there with a shot. Or, you know, if he uh, throws that big body kick, he might be able to get Cerrone out of there. But seems like Cerrone's taking the body shots a little better these days. But uh, I, I think uh, Cerrone's actually just better everywhere than Perry. And I, and I got a feeling that he is going to show up for this one. So I'm going to take uh, Donald Cerrone. Man. It's kind of hard to trust Mike Perry with a minus 200 next to to his name. I know people remember when uh, 
he couldn't knock out chinny ass Alan Juban as a favorite. I know when I know people remember when he couldn't beat Max Griffin in Florida. Look, there's a different matchup here, but I'm just saying, uh, you know, people are just assuming that because Donald Taroni, you know, maybe his durability has waned a little bit in his older years, that automatically Mike Perry's going to come out here and knock him out. And that might happen. I mean, Mike Perry, he hits like a truck. But once again, he's had chinny guys in front of him before and not pulled the trigger, uh, Alan Juban. So don't be surprised if that happens here. I think Donald Taroni is better everywhere, and this is a dogger pass situation. But... The age and the durability and, you know, these last couple performances for Cowboy, even though I think he still has the heart, man. You know, people were acting like that Yancey Madero stoppage was early. It was not early, by the way. He he beat his ass, and if they would have let it go 10 more seconds, he would have put him out cold. The Leon fight, you know, people were expecting a first-round finish for Leon, and Donald Cowboy goes out there. The five-round duration even won two of the rounds in there. So I think he still got it, man. It's just that... Is Platinum Perry's power too much? Because sometimes uh, it doesn't matter if you still got it. You get hit on the chin with a guy with that kind of power, and uh, he can put you away. It can also be a war, kind of like the Felder fight. You know, you know, Donald Cerrone, Donald Cerrone loves a good war. I wouldn't be surprised if Donald Cerrone was able to take down Mike Perry and uh, tap him out. But I also think that the power of Perry can make Donald a little bit hesitant in there to throw. I see this being a super close fight from a betting perspective. I think it's dog or pass. But from a picks perspective, I'm going to go with Perry via close decision here, Shaq. Main event in the evening. Yair El Pantera Rodriguez, he's minus 115. And Chan Sung Jung, the Korean zombie, is minus 105. Unbelievable fight, Shaq. You know, I almost want to call it... I, I mean, I almost feel like it has that old school WEC feel to it, even though Yair Rodriguez was never in the WEC. But just because anytime the Korean zombie fights... It just has a, you just know it's going to be something super memorable and something super exciting. And the two times he did fight in the WC, interestingly enough, he went 0-2, but they were both, you know, one of them was fight of the year. The other one was a knockout of the year. So anytime Chan Sung Jung fights, and then you saw what he did inside the octagon, man, sets the record for the fastest knockout in featherweight history against Mark Hominick. Has the fight of the year with Dustin Poirier. <laughs> Only twister in UFC history against Leonard Garcia the first time. Then obviously the fight with uh, Jose Aldo. Jose went out there, won the first two rounds. Looked like Chan Sung Jung was starting to get off in that third round. And then he had the unfortunate injury in the fourth. Comes back after a three-year layoff. Knocks out Dennis Bermudez in the very first round. So, man. Yair's also coming off a layoff. Which way are you going? Yeah, it's a good fight. You know, I feel like uh, Yair Rodriguez is the... The, the more athletic guy, you know, he's got the flashy kicks, uh, he kicks real hard. You know, he physically, I mean, he can do just about anything in that cage. Um, I mean, but it's been a while since we've seen him, and it ain't, it ain't just uh, injuries he's been on. He, he's coming off a, a hellacious ass beating at the hands of Frankie Edgar. And, you know, when when you got the, the type of type of things they were telling Yair at the time, you know, future world champion this, future world champion that. And to go out there and, you know, have the fight go out there like that where your eye gets swelled shut. And then, you know, you got to have your concerns about what ha- what transpired after that, you know, where the UFC was going to cut him. And allegedly Dana White's saying he's turning down fights with Lamas. And, you know, Yair says that's not true, but... Dana, you know, well, you know, Dana sometimes gets a little emotional, but he, he said he's turning down fights with Lamas and, you know, the, there's a B thing. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. Maybe he just wanted a, a better fight, you know, and Zombie, on the other hand, you know, this is what Zombie tends to do. He likes to, you know, not fight every so often. But when he does fight, man, don't sleep on this guy. This guy is very crafty. His pressure is really good. His chin's really good. I know he uh, got knocked out by my boy George Root, but. You know, that chin uh, is definitely uh, can take a shot. And, you know, with uh, Yair's style, you know, Yair likes to throw a lot of kicks. And when he throws those kicks, you know, his hands drop down a lot, man. And I feel like Yair's boxing is uh, just slightly under uh, Zombie's level as well, you know. I feel like it's going to be a case of, you know, early. I, I do feel like Yair might get off to a good start with the kicks. I feel like he might blast them with a couple kicks, but I, I feel like uh, eventually with all that kicking, he's going to slow down the second, you know, the fight hits about the third, those late, those late, uh, stages, you know? And I feel like once his, uh, his kicking shuts down, he's going to have to box. He's going to have to fight zombies type of 
type of fight. And uh, when you got to fight Zombie's type of fight, he uh, that's when he beats your ass. So, you know, I feel like Ayer's going to probably win the first round, maybe even the second. Uh, but I feel like, you know, that's this layoff. I mean, I feel like Zombie's used to this type of layoff. But I feel like the longer this goes, that kicking will slow down. I feel like he will slow down. And I feel like uh, once Zombie gets on the inside, I feel like we're going to see a, a big uh, difference in, you know, experience in those later rounds. And, you know, I feel like uh, Zombie's going to get a late TKO here. Yeah, you know, for all the people criticizing Yair Rodriguez for taking this fight and turning down Zabit, I completely understand where he's coming from. Let me ask you something. Who's ranked higher, Korean Zombie or Zabit? Korean Zombie. Who's got the bigger name, Korean Zombie or Zabit? Korean Zombie. Which fight was a main event and which fight was first fight of the main card? Korean Zombie was a main event, and uh, Zabit was first fight of the main card. What pays more, face first fight of the main card or main event? Main event. So if I'm Yair's manager, he did the right call taking this fight. More money, more exposure, bigger name. What else is there to say? He took the right fight. That being said, I still think it's a, a tough stylistic matchup. Obviously, you got to give the kicking advantage to Yair all day. He's one of the best kickers in the UFC in terms of he can do things that other people can't do, man. He's really acrobatic. He's really athletic. He's... At one point, I was kind of trying to act like he was a once-in-a-lifetime athlete just because we'd never seen anything like that before. But in the UFC, you got to be super well-rounded. And I think this kid isn't because he is. But, I mean, you saw what happened when he can't get back up uh, when someone's on top of him. But the way the area that I think that the Korean Zombie has an edge here is actually in the boxing and jiu-jitsu, Shaq. I feel like he's going to crowd Yair. And Yair's going to be throwing his kicks. And look, if Yair lands shin-to-chin... We've seen it before. George Roop knocked out the Korean zombie. It can happen again. But I see that as Yair's path to victory. I don't see Yair getting a submission. I don't see him dropping Chan Sung Jung with punches. I think it has to be a shin to chin, a heel to chin, heel to temple, whatever. He just has to knock him out with a kick of some sort. But I think when he's throwing these kicks, man, I think that Chan Sung Jung is going to answer with a counter with the hands. He's going to throw three or four punch combinations off those kicks, crowd Yair to the point where Yair is backing into the fence and the kicks won't be as effective. And from there, you know, obviously I see it being back and forth. I see there being scrambles. I, I see this being a crazy fight. I just think that Chan Sung Jung is more polished and well-rounded and experienced and uh, if he doesn't go down to a head kick, I see him winning this fight. So I'm going to say Chan Sung Jung via unanimous decision here in Denver, Colorado. Well, Shaq, now we got to hit a Big Marley for the Big Marley Minute. And joining us now on the Big Marley Minute is Big Marley himself. Kyle, what's going on? Hey, not much, man. Uh, coming off another nice week. Uh, ready to keep this this ball on the roll. Let's get some more wins. Uh, I'm glad we got this long string of fights going. Yeah, you know, my boy Kyle Marley, uh, you've been killing it lately. Last two weeks, very, very impressive work. Uh, so let's just keep that momentum going here at UFC Denver. Obviously, got the elevation, the altitude. But more importantly, got some very exciting fights because the Korean Zombie and Yair Rodriguez are both making their returns. They're facing each other. It, it just has the, the makings of an all-time classic. Which way are you leaning? I've gone back and forth on this one a few times. So... <laughs> I'm not really sure. Right now, I'm, I'm leaning Yair just because he's the underdog. Um, but I think this is a stack-in-cash kind of fight. Just play them both, take the win, and then that way you don't have to worry about who actually does win it. You already have it in your lineup. Uh, I think we should get over 100 total points here with five rounds. Uh, so I'm just going to do it that way, play them both. And then in tournaments, I'll, I'll pretty much go even. I'm thinking Jung and y Yair pretty much – 50 50 maybe like 40 40 and then fade 20 percent but this is a fight i just don't have a strong read on so i want to get my investments in both sides but they're right there in the mid-range of the pricing so i have a hard time seeing it not on the winning lineup so i just want to have both guys and then i want to hit my other five spots and maybe i can win a tournament that way but i'll pick yair because he's the dog but that could change you know, one fight where I feel like if you pick the winner of this fight correctly, most likely it's going to score a lot of points, and that's uh, Platinum Mike Perry versus Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Uh, a lot of people are under the impression that the Cowboy is completely done. You know, I disagree with that, man. I think that even though he's lost four of his last five, I thought he had a spirited effort against Leon Edwards, and obviously he knocked out Yancey in the first round. Now we got Mike Perry. Look, the blueprint's been laid on how to beat Mike Perry. It's just a question of do you think Cowboy can go out there and execute it? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I think he can. 
So I'm definitely going to have more Cerrone than Perry this week. I think he's one of the live dogs on this card. And I think he has a clear path to victory if he gets this fight to the ground. I think he can lock up a submission. Uh, and then he won't have to worry about Perry on the ground either. Uh, it's just really that power that we're worried about with him. Uh, and that's that's the thing. He's got big power. So it only takes one for him to end Cerrone. And he could have over 100 points with that first round knockout pretty easily in this fight. So I think you do have to target Mike Perry at 8,900. But if I was only making one lineup this week, I would rather just go ahead and take Cerrone at his cheap price of 7300 this week. I mean, we never see him that, that cheap. Um, and especially in a fight that he can win, I think it's just too good to pass up. Uh, I like Cerrone this week. I'm going to be picking him to win, but it's definitely no lock. Perry has serious power. It only takes one. So it's another fight I'm going to be invested in both sides, just more Cerrone. Benil Dariush is taking on Tiago Moises. It's interesting to say in Benil Dariush's prime when we refer to his old fights because, you know, he's only 28, 29 years old. He's not even 30 yet, but you know the last three have been super brutal. You think he can get over the hump and get back on the winning ways against the newcomer here? Uh, earlier in the week, I, w- I was picking him. I figured everyone would be low on him, so maybe this is a good time to get on him at low ownership. Uh, but the more I look into this, Tiago Moises guy, he's a stud. I think he's going to end up picking up the win here. So I'm going to go with the underdog in this one, and we also get some line value here. Uh, The betting line's close to even, but on DraftKings, uh, Dariush is $1,200 more. So I would rather save that $1,200, go with the guy I think has a chance of getting the upset, um, and I'm going to pick him to win. I think I might fade Dariush here. Uh, I think he's decent in that, like, that what is eight dollar entry this week where it's fifteen thousand dollars to first because I do think he'll be low owned so I think Darius is a solid play in like that tournament only but other than that I really have no interest in him uh, give me the dog here so Luis Pena now this is interesting Kyle because I recall him being minus three seventy a couple days ago now he's minus one eighty five so heavy actions come in on Mike Trezano I gotta know man you think it's warranted. Uh, I did think the the line was too wide before, and I was looking at Trezano thinking that this is a good spot to get a cheap guy, 6900 on DraftKings. No one's going to be on him. Uh, and then we have this line movement come in, and now he's probably going to be pretty chalky because of it. So I don't like him as much anymore, honestly, if he's going to be chalky. Um, so I don't know what to do with this fight yet. That line movement's really throwing me off. Uh I think he's really too good of a play. He's the best value on the card now at 6,900, so you definitely can't fade him in my opinion. But at higher ownership, he's just not as good of a play because you're not being sneaky anymore. So I think if we can be sneaky with Pena now, if he's going to be low-owned because of it, maybe he's a good tournament play. Um, So I don't know. It's kind of switched my whole thoughts on this whole thing. Uh, I was liking Trezano more, uh, but now with this line movement, I'd rather go ahead and take Pena at lower ownership. So that's what I would really like to know, just who's going to be lower-owned. That's who I want. And speaking of who's going to be lower-owned, we got to pick them between Chaz Skelly and Bobby Muffett. I mean, dude, I think they're going to have a lot of scrambles. It's going to be intense. Someone could get submitted. Who are you favoring? Yeah, dude, this is super close. I mean, it's who can, who's the better grinder. That's what it's going to come down to. Uh, what I'm worried about is this fight spending a lot of time against the cage. Uh, <clears throat> when that's happening, there are no points being scored because you're not getting significant strikes uh, when you're holding the guy against the cage. Those those just don't even count because they're not at distance. And then if you're against the cage, you're not getting takedown points either. So I think we might be suffering in different times in this fight because of that. But it will eventually hit the ground, and whoever's getting that top control is going to win the fight. So I'm going to go ahead and lean... Moffitt, but it's just I, I can't be super confident in that because it's such a clash of styles here. Both guys are going to be looking to do the same thing. Uh, but with Moffitt, we get a $600 discount on DraftKings. The line is basically even. So I'll go ahead and take that value there. Uh, give me Bobby here. I hope you're wrong on that one specifically just because, you know, Chaz is a friend of the show. But may the, may the best man win, right, Kyle? And speaking of the best man winning, we got Davi Hamosh taking on John Gunther. Uh, listen, man, I already told you this before. If John Gunther lasts these 15 minutes with Davi Hamosh, I will personally tip my cap to him. You think it's going to be a submission or a knockout for Hamosh? Uh, I'm going to lean towards submission, uh, but it's going to be early. That's all I think. Uh, so it's it's Ramos or nothing here because 
it's such a bad matchup for Gunther. I mean, what he's good at is just a bad thing to do in this fight. You don't want to go to the ground uh, with Ramos because he's going to be so much better down there, and you're not going to be able to grind him out for 15 minutes with that high endurance. So I just I think it's going to be a first-round finish, uh, but we're paying for it at 9500 I think he's a great, pay, uh, great play if you can afford him. But he's going to be chalky as well. He's probably going to be the highest on guy on the card. So I think you can get away from him in tournaments. But by that, I don't mean picking Gunther. I just mean avoiding the fight. I think it's Ramos or nothing here. So Eric Shelton's taking on Joseph Morales. They got it at a dead pick. Uh, you favor anyone here? Dude, I don't. This is the one. This is the closest fight on the card, I think. And I, I really don't like it because I can't get a good read on it. Um it's nice that they're right there at that $8,200 salary. So it doesn't take a ton for them to pay that off. But I think it's going to be back and forth. Uh, I think Shelton is my pick to win. I think he just gets a decision here. just a little bit better everywhere. Uh, however, I think Morales is the more dangerous fighter. And I think he's the guy who's going to finish it if there's a finish in this fight. So I would rather go ahead and take Morales, save that 200 bucks, hope for the, the finish on the feet or on the ground, uh, and he could pay off that 8000 pretty easily if he can't get the finish. But I'm just not confident in that happening. I would rather fade this fight because I don't have a good read on it uh, and hope that Shelton wins a low-scoring decision. And last but not least, we got Mark De La Rosa taking on Joby Sanchez. Listen, the line's kind of wide, but Joby's got a knack for giving up his back. He's taking on a black belt here. He is a blue belt. Which way are you going? Yeah, I'm going De La Rosa. Uh, last fight, he scored 96 uh, that'd be fine here in this fight. I just think that we really do need the finish from him to pay off his $9,000 price tag. If he gets a decision in this fight, I think it's going to be hard to pay that off. So we really need him to get that back, pull off the submission. Uh, but I think he can do it. So I like him at 9K here. Uh, I, I like having the first fight of the night in my lineups just because you know how your night's going to start out after that one's over. So I'm going to have like one or two Joby just in case he could pull it off at 7,200. Nobody's going to be on him. Um, it's just not its not a good play, I don't think. De La Rosa's the better play of this fight. It's just hard to reach that $9,000 uh, for him to pay it off. We need that 90 or more. And I'm not confident that happens. I'm probably going to fade this fight more than I use it. De La Rosa's the pick, but I'll have a little bit of a joke. Joby as well. You think... I mean, how would you picture uh, Joby getting it done if he was to win this fight? I think he'd have to get on top and get a submission of his own. Uh, I don't see him getting takedowns for like three fights. So I think for him to get on top, he's going to need to finish it to get the win. Uh, and if he can do that at 7,200, he's going to probably be on the winning lineup. I just don't think it's likely. It's just I, I love having the first fight in general because if I have Joby, I don't know, even in one lineup and he goes out there and wins – and I see that he's under 10% owned, at least that one lineup's got a shot to, to win the night as long as I can hit on those five other spots. And I already paid down at 7,200, so those other five spots are going to be better fighters. Uh, so that's really my only thinking with Joby. I think De is going to be the better fighter everywhere, though. And I do see him pulling off the submission. We just need it to be early for that 9K salary. Well, Kyle, that's why you are the DraftKings guy for half the battles going down this Saturday. In Denver, Colorado, the fans can follow you at Big Marley 3. Kyle, any message for them? Yeah, just follow me on Twitter. Got my write-up. I'm working on it now. I'll have it posted later tonight. Uh, $7.99. Let's get it. And that's why Big Marley is the DraftKings guy for half the battle. Well, Shaq, now we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch. So what is the fight to watch for UFC Denver? My fight to watch is going to be Jermaine Durant. I mean, Michael Pennington. You know, I feel like... Uh, it's kind of a crossroads fight. You know, I feel like this fight's going to determine where both girls go in their careers moving forward. And, you know, styli stylistically, I feel like it's a good uh, fight. So, you know, uh, uh, that's my fight to watch. Yeah, it's such an interesting fight. Obviously, with Raquel Pennington, you know, she's kind of like the original Darren Elkins of the women's division. You start to slow down on her, she'll put it on you. And Jermaine gets criticized for... Not fighting that often, but historically speaking, throughout her UFC career, she's only fought once a year. So this is nothing new for her. So I'm very intrigued to see what happens in that one. But for me, man, the fight to watch, obviously we can go with Cerrone versus Perry. 
I'm going to go with Benil Dariush versus Tiago Moises. I feel like this fight should have a lot of eyes on it. I want to know exactly where Benil Dariush is right now in the UFC lightweight division. And I want to see if I can scout the potential and the ceiling for a guy like Tiago Moises. I've been hearing about him for years. So for that reason, Shaq, Benil versus Tiago Moises is my fight to watch. Well, Shaq, who is your fighter to watch for UFC Denver? My fighter to watch is going to be Luis Pena. You know, I've, I know he's really young in his career, but I feel like uh, with the right type of marketing, you know, and a win, of course, I feel like, uh, you know, this is someone that can get behind. You know, he's got an interesting story and he's got an exciting fighting style. So, you know, if he gets this win, he'll prove that, uh, you know, the winner of this fight will prove, uh, if he does win this fight, that, you know, he'll prove uh, he should have been the winner of that season. And uh, I feel like he, he's a, a very marketable guy, so Luis Pena. Yeah, for sure. And my father to watch, look, he's the biggest favorite on the card. I'm going to go with Davi Hamosh. If you want to call your friends and tell them besides the main event and besides Cerrone and Perry, if you want to see a brutal beatdown, if you want to see a beautiful display of jiu-jitsu, if you want to see a potential head kick KO, Check out Davi Hamosh versus John Gunther. Davi Hamosh is my fighter to watch for UFC Denver. Well, Shaq, it's going down this Saturday. UFC Denver, the Korean Zombie versus Yair Rodriguez, Platinum Mike Perry versus Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Lots of great fights on this card. The fans can follow you at MMA Genius 05. They can follow me at Best Fight Picks, our Instagram, Best Fight Picks Official. Make sure you subscribe to Half the Battle on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. And until the next time, let's cash these bets.